0: Hi and welcome to Women's CEO in Reflection. I'm Marisa Jones and I'm joined by my co-host Neil Haley. Today we have an inspirational leader whose focus is to help others be successful through education. Dr. Barbara Kershaw serves as Senior Innovation Advisor at the Graduate School of Education at Penn. She is the author of several books with her most recent one, Innovate Hers by Purpose Driven Entrepreneurial Women Rise to the Top, is now available on Amazon. Welcome Dr. Kershaw. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, so the, uh, the education space is a really interesting industry, and it's changed so much over the years. Why don't you talk about your journey and how you got into, how, how you got into alignment with the education space, and what keeps you uh, there? What's the driving factor? Well, clearly I've been in this field for a long time and I've come at it
1: from what I call the ecosystem of innovation. I've been a teacher, I've been a professor, I've been an investment banker, I've been a researcher, and I've been an entrepreneur and a funder. So I wanted to look at education in the broader sense about why why women rise to the top. And then I began to look at the education space and decided that it's really broader than the education space. It's a purpose-driven space. So we're looking at the women and all entrepreneurs, but in particular in this book, my research is around women entrepreneurs, and we're looking at them in areas that have purpose and mission, such as education, social justice, healthcare, um in any areas that we know are making a difference and that seemed to resonate quite uh, with all the women in the book but more importantly it sort of matched the research i had been doing for 10 years at penn about entrepreneurial mindset and entrepreneurs so that's how i got there
2: huh. well wow. and that's that's the the journey for sure that journey and excitement because that's what drives you each and every day what is one thing you do to maintain a balanced mental health what would you say? Great question.
1: Um I- Fine. First of all, I have been in the past a workaholic, but now I've become a real advocate for mindfulness. And during COVID and during many of the other journeys I've taken, I've watched people talk about it. And I thought, oh, I can't do that. I can't, can't do yoga because I can't get, you know, not not have things go through my mind. I can't do, you know, mindfulness, but I did take several classes over the last couple of years. And now I find myself using that practice to balance what's important. And I think the one thing I've learned is that you can't sweat the small stuff and only do what you can manage or control yourself. You can't worry about the others. You can be empathetic towards the others, things that come across your desk, but that shouldn't be what you worry about. So that's helped.
0: That's great. uh, For successful women, there's a lot of workaholics uh, there. I was one myself. Uh, I find it, once I started turning to mindfulness, it was very, um, it's now harder to multitask, but I find I get a lot more done and because it is more uh, purpose-driven in the tasks that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the education space has changed so much over the years. How do you keep up with, you know, first it was years ago, it was just in the classroom, right? Now it's online and there's all these different platforms. What are the, Uh, consistent values that you think about when it comes to education to ensure that each program is successful or what you're trying to deliver to the students are successful? Well, that was the purpose of
1: writing the book.
0: I wanted to find out what women did. And well, we looked
1: at all men. And I started doing my research 10 years ago on entrepreneurial mindset. And when I then began to sort of dissect the data and wrote traditional academic articles, I began to see four themes that ran through that we found that women in the purpose-driven spaces have have come to the front, have brought these up for why they're successful. And there's three of them are quite interesting. And one was a surprise. The first was that women, while all entrepreneurs are risk-takers, Women are much more thoughtful risk takers. They do explore the data more carefully. They consult with experts, but they make decisions. They're not, it's not holding it up. They just go about risk differently. The second thing we learned was that while women have a significant self-confidence, again, as all entrepreneurs do, they had often felt like they were an imposter, that they shouldn't have been the one at the table and how they addressed that contributed to their success. They all knew it was there. They all had to remind themselves, probably through mindfulness, that they were, they did deserve to be at the table. They were the most qualified at the room and they were the leader. Um, And all all the women we interviewed in the book mentioned this. The third was the fact that women are clearly more empathetic than men. But what came out of that um, is three interesting factors. One, they were more collaborative in their teams. So they engaged in a more consensus, collaborative environment, but they still made strong decisions. The second thing was that their teams stayed with them longer for that reason. Many of the people we interviewed had the same leadership and C-suite teams since a long time, since the beginning of their com- companies. And the third thing we found out was that they talked about this often, that they were able to fire more effectively because they went into the firing process or it, or the letting go process in a way that addressed the person's needs, not their needs as the company. So if you've ever been fired by a woman or a man, you'll notice the difference, but women will always say, you know, this isn't the right fit for you. Let me help you explore what may work for you and why we don't think it's the right fit and how you can improve. Um, what you hear from men more often, and not all, men and women both do all of these things, but what you hear from men more often is we're reorganizing and you don't fit. The, you know We're having a resizing or reorganizing, and they're certainly kind about it and they provide options and they provide all the things that women do, but their filter on how they fire is different. And um, the last thing that was the surprise was while women in purpose-driven organizations were always, um, that they always had this, identified with the need to achieve. They had grown up often as the first child in the family or that the leader in the school, or they always was the one picked to be in charge. They actually, even in doing that, they never identified that in our self-assessments that we gave as one of their strengths. They need it. They had it. They identified it as an attribute, as their mindset, but it was never one of the things they picked as their as their strengths. They picked passion, and they picked risk taking, and they picked the ability to be to need, you know to achieve, but they um,
2: but not need to achieve as a strength. Uh, Dr. Kirshan, It's interesting to hear about all these things because what it surprises me is that you know women CEOs have a the different mindset yet achieve the same result. Now, who, based on your experience in business, who would be better to work with? I'm going to put this out there because you never know. Because yourself, <laughs> now, would you rather actually, work they don't receive,
1: they don't achieve the same results. Women entrepreneurs return more money to investors. They are more likely, as I said, to um, for their company to stay around because when they do pivot, they don't pick to to fail. They actually work more. Effectively in making pivots. So while they achieve in the end the results, a successful company, as you suggested, um, they actually have higher numbers in terms of what they return to investors, the number of their customers, loyalty, and things like that. You don't often see that because you have to look at the data and know that women get significantly less investment. So that's not the, the wow, statistic wow. you normally look at.
2: And that's because, again, responsibility is more important to them in certain ways based on makeup and ultimately uh, less of a risk takers. But yet when they're risk takers, they risk for reward with positive risks instead of negative risks. saying, oh, you know what? I'm just going to throw it all out there. And whatever happens, happens. And And that ends up running out. A lot of people get money. Right. And then they never are profitable business. So I
1: call those the cesareal entrepreneurs. And by the way, there's women in this, but more men too. Um, And there's been lots of uh, articles in the Wall Street Journal about this, but men... Their their definition of success for raising additional money or for going on is different than what they the bar they hold up for women for success. So therefore the data gets skewed. But the interesting thing is we all know I call it the bozo syndrome. We we see this entrepreneur that raises a hundred millions of dollars and they then fail. They close it up and they all these investors lose money. And that entrepreneur goes on to be selected to be the CEO of another startup. Why well, <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet, but I call it the Bozo syndrome. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, so you, you coined that phrase, I hope.
1: No, I didn't. It was the Wall Street Journal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you need to coin yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you can at least quote it again. All
0: right. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you mentioned was in a purpose-driven uh, uh, business by a a female entrepreneur there are certain qualities that come and they have better teams and they have better R- ROI to investors I see the difference when you're a successful woman running your own business that's purpose-driven versus a successful woman in a business that's not your own because you're competing with other women there might only be one or two women at the top and you're not you're no longer collaborating because you're both competing for the same prize, right the same seat so how what sort of Uh, education would you bring to a corporation to ensure that the same qualities that come out of a purpose-driven female-owned business can be brought to another company that's not the same? Well, Uh, The women we interviewed came from all
1: areas. They were not all running their own business. Many of them were CEOs of large corporations. One of the people we interviewed in the book is the president of of Sesame Workshop. One of the people we interviewed was the chief of protocol for the prime minister in Canada for Trudeau. And they pointed out the exact same traits which made them rise to the top. That even within their own companies, while we don't while what you pointed out appears to be true, the successful ones were entrepreneurial or intrapreneurial, and they all were careful risk takers, which then their seniors or their advisors appreciated. They all were very empathetic in thinking about how to rise to the top. And while we think of women, you know, that rise to the top in the C-suite, we think that they're hard and they're like men. The truth of the matter is the ones we interviewed were not. It was a strength that they were not, that they had this empathy and that their teams respected them. Because now leaders are looking for people that can keep teams on. Right now, with COVID, retention of employees is a big factor. And women have done right. a better job of un- being sensitive to what women need to stay in corporations today.
2: It's, it's just an interesting thing of how we have to have a mindset to understand. Uh, these these components and definitely pick up her book. But go ahead with your last question.
1: We'd love people to, to buy the book. It's on Amazon, as you said, and we have a website where people can share their own stories, www.innovators.org. So please, and I'd love to be on your show. Thank you, Barbara. One more Excellent. question. This will
2: do, cl- what's, great, what's great is it's syndicated on my show too. But yes, I'd love okay. to have yes. you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's sharing his network with, with this show. Um, one more question. So for, for women who are aspiring uh, leaders of their own purpose-driven organizations, work for one, how would you, um, what advice would you give them to bring in more programs and education on how to be that successful and how to bring those feminine qualities to, uh, to their teams? I think they need to explore
1: the entrepreneurial mindset of their teams, whether they're men or women, and they have to understand that. Um, On our site, you can take the profile, the self-assessment, as well as the full profile is available that we were giving. I think they also need to be conscious of that, of this mindset, the skills and traits that are part of it. And as they interview their potential employees, they need to look at uh, if they have the right mindset to be successful.
0: That's great. Thank you, Barbara. How can everyone reach you? You can
1: reach me on www.innovators.org, or you can reach me at
0: kershan at innovators.org. Thank you, Dr. Kershaw. It's been such a pleasure uh, speaking with you today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, the art of intentional thinking, my personal coaching bootcamp at iamamindsetwarrior.com. And schedule your call with me today. Thank you.